Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to um, <coughs> two passages of Scripture. Let, let, let's turn to Romans chapter 13. The book of Romans, Romans chapter 13. We're going to read the first six verses. We'll actually read the first seven verses. And then we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. So Romans chapter 13. We're reading from verse 1. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. And thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their Jews, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. Owe no man anything. Now turn with me this morning again to First Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 13. To verse 17. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 13 through to 17. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man... For the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free. And not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honour all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the king. Amen. We'll end the reading there in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. And we trust and pray that God will bless to us this reading of the Holy <coughs> Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through to 17. And my subject today 
is simply the Christian, his citizenship and human government. Now I've got a question for us and of course I'm asking you to think even as I direct the question to you, sort of a rhetorical question. How do we respond to the world all around us in which we live? How do we react when the government of today passes laws that are contrary to God's law? How do we react when a government perverts the laws of democracy that allows murderers into the very heart and seat of government? What about how governments waste taxes? How do we respond to authorities in places where we live when they militantly persecute the people of God? When they slander God's people as evildoers? When they openly say that Christians and churches are evildoers? See, let's remember that Peter is exhorting God's people. He's encouraging them to think about their testimony in the world. He's already said in verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. Remember, you're in a spiritual battle. And the battle primarily is with your own fleshly lust. They war against your soul. He's saying to them, you are pilgrims and strangers. You're aliens in the society in which you live. You've got an alien identity. You live in a different level. You, you live in a, a heavenly supernatural plane. You're pilgrims and strangers in the world. And therefore you're to abstain from fleshly lusts. And yet the strange thing is you live in a world as a Christian. As a transformed person. You, 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 you live with a testimony that's believable. Not only what you say, but what's seen in your life. A lifestyle that's above reproach, above shame, above ridicule, above criticism, above blasphemy. You live in such a way before men that you stop the mouths of your critics. And we dealt with that last time, dealing with verse 12. Now come to verse 13. For he wants them to remember the demands of their citizenship. A Christian isn't indifferent. He isn't apathetic. He hasn't got a blatant disregard for human government or human institutions or human, human authority. Yes, the Christian is a citizen of heaven. Yes, in the world, he's got an alien identity. Yes, in the world, he lives before men with a believable testimony. But a true Christian won't treat with indifference or apathy or disregard the fact that he's also a citizen of this earth. And in this earth, as a Christian, he maintains a witness regarding citizenship. Now that's what Peter's dealing with here from verses 13 
through to 17. And I want us just to think of the Christian, his citizenship and human government today. Three things very simply and quickly. The responsibility to submit to human government. Look at verse 13 now. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to kings as supreme or under governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God. Now there's a number of things here. There's no retreat from this world. It's true that Christians are citizens of heaven. True they've got an alien identity. But we're also citizens of the world. And as citizens of the world we've got a role. We've got a responsibility. We we live in the world. Certainly we're not off it. But we live in the world. And the apostle Peter doesn't call for a monastic way of life. He doesn't say to the Christians, withdraw from the cities and the towns and the villages, the places from which you live, and go and live in a community, or go and live in a monastery, or go and live in a nunnery. He doesn't say to them, get away from the world. What does he say? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Isn't it true that even though in the Middle Ages there was a call for people to come and live in monasteries and nunneries and monks and nuns withdrew from their role and responsibility as citizens in the world and yet the reality was they discovered that they couldn't run away from their own sinful lusts of their heart. They still battled with fleshly lusts. But Peter isn't calling for a separation from aspects of ordinary life. He's saying the opposite. He is calling on God's people to maintain a good testimony in the midst of an ungodly world. No matter what happens. And they could argue, but we're hated. We're despised. We're ridiculed. We're persecuted. We're laughed at. They call us evildoers, Peter. What are we to do? Run and hide? No. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You see, in Peter's eyes, there's no alternative. God is on the throne. God is in control. The world isn't out of control. The Lord is sovereign. He's in charge. Something else just to bear in mind. Remember the powers that be are ordained of God. He talks here about um, every ordinance of man. He's really talking about human government and human institutions. And that's why I read from uh, Romans uh, this morning. Um, Turn over to Romans chapter 13 and look with me again at verse 1. See, Paul's saying the same thing to the church in his day. Let every soul... That is every born-again believer. Be subject unto the higher powers. Why? And he gives one of the reasons. For there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. 
Now, think with me for a moment. The powers that be are ordained of God. That includes Nero. That includes Nebuchadnezzar. That includes our UK government. That includes the government of the United States of America. That, that, that includes the Israeli government. The powers that be are established by God. There is no power that's not of God. And when Paul said that, he lived in a world where there was slavery. He lived in a world where there was abuse of women. W women were treated badly in the first century. When, when there was the abuse of children. Female babies were often killed at birth. Peter lived in a world where homosexuality was rampant. When immorality was rife. A vile, wicked society that hated and despised and persecuted Christians even unto death. And what does Paul say? What does Peter say? Let every soul be subject unto the higher power. What does Peter say? He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king of supreme or unto governors. Now I trust this morning that a picture is beginning to form. He's saying, submit to human institutions. And we could argue, but, but there's ungodly men in human governmental offices. And they pass laws that are contrary to, to your law, Lord. And that law today, even in the 21st century, as in the first, allows for the murder of the unborn. And the law promotes sodomy. And the amazing thing is this, that the Lord has ordained the powers that be. And he even sovereignly puts ungodly men into office. I don't know how, why, but it's for his ultimate glory. I believe that God is absolutely sovereign, even in the raising up of Nero and the raising up of Nebuchadnezzar. Another thing that we learn, that every Christian has got a duty as citizens to be submissive. If you think of the words subject, be subject, or submit yourselves, it, it's got the same meaning. Another thing that we learn is this, that every true believer ought to pray for those that rule over us. Isn't this what Paul exhorted Timothy over there in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2? He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers and intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Saviour. Timothy's exhorted to pray for those who are in authority. Pray for those in authority in the country, in your city. In your church, ask God to give them wisdom to rule according to his law. Ask God to help them to do what's good. Ask God to help them to remember that they're ministers of God. Ask God to give them strength and courage and conviction. Pray for their salvation. If you come down in First Peter chapter 2, look at verse 17. 
it, it says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Does not speak of respect. Respect the king. What about those ungodly men? What about those men who are unfit for office? Isn't it true today that government officials are, are probably the least trusted of all in society? Certainly the least trusted in society to tell the truth and do what's right. But we have heard of government cover-ups, government scandals, their lies and their shenanigans. We could sort of say, well, if they're ungodly men and unfit for office, well, well we want nothing to do with them. We certainly don't like them. And yet, here's a command, honour. In other words, esteem them, show them respect. Don't be disrespectful to them. And one way we honour them is that we pray to God for them. Something else we're to do uh, by way of responsibility um, Every true believer has to pay taxes that are due. Go back to Romans. Just keep your finger in Romans 13. And look with me again at verse 6. He says, For for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. The word tribute can mean taxes. Render therefore to all their Jews. Tribute to whom tribute is due. See, no one likes paying taxes. I certainly don't like paying taxes. I think I pay too much tax. We don't know how the tax system really works. We could argue, but our taxes are wasted in promoting sin and wickedness uh, and um, bad laws. But here we're told... In the book of Romans, this is God's word, I'm not making it up. For for this cause, pay ye tribute also. We're to render to Caesar, Jesus said, the things that are Caesar's. Now here's a picture. It's beginning to emerge just from this point. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. What does that mean? Don't run away from the world. Don't, don't, don't retreat. Realize that the powers that are there are ordained of God. And you're to submit yourselves to them. You're to be subject to them. And that word submit, subject, is a military term. has to do with army life. And we're to pray for our rulers. And we're to pay our taxes that are due. Remember Christ established the principle um, Matthew chapter 22 isn't it and in the verse uh, 17 whenever he um, said asked the question tell us therefore what think ye is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not but Jesus perceived their wickedness and said why tempt ye me ye hypocrites see they wanted to know should we pay taxes he said show me the tribute money they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God 
the things that are God. See, they were coming there in Matthew 22 um, to, to trick the Lord Jesus. If he had said, oh, don't pay taxes, then they would have charged him with insurrection and rebellion. Here's a, a principle established by Christ. He set the pattern. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And you could argue this morning. What about when human government and their laws run contrary to God's law? Well, what have they forbid us to pray? Well, we'll think of Daniel. Remember he was um, living in Babylon. And he knew all about the king's decree. Uh, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And Daniel said in his heart, I must obey God. And when the time came for the call to prayer, what did Daniel do? Daniel prayed unto the Lord. Daniel 6. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem. He knelt upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. There's Daniel's practice and pattern when the human government of the day living in Babylon say you're to pray to no other God but, but, but um, uh, uh, me. Um, then Daniel said, no, I pray to the living and the true God. Remember the three Hebrew children as well. They were being encouraged to practice idolatry. To bow down to the idol. And they refused to buy. Peter and John in Acts 4, when they were forbidden to preach, they said, you judge whether it's right that we ought to obey God or men. See, every believer has a duty to obey the laws of the land. That's what Peter's saying. As long as those laws are not contrary or inconsistent with the law of God. And if the law says don't pray to God, if the law says don't practice your religion, if the law says don't preach, then you obey God. You don't do what God condemns. You don't do what God forbids. But you don't forsake what God requires. And in light of that, giving that parameter, we seek to have this responsibility as citizens regarding human institutions and human authority. Now, very quickly, the reason to submit to human government. Go back to Peter. That This has really struck me this week. I've been thinking much about it. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. See, here's the reason. Here's one way that the Christian seeks to live in this world. It's for the honour of Christ. It's done in obedience to him. It's for his sake. It's because of the Lord. Remember his precept, Matthew 22 and 17 to, to 21. We've already read it. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Here it is in the word of God. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. He says there, as we've read in Romans, Romans 13 and 1, that every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Why? It's for the Lord's sake. It's a response to the Lord's authority. Yes, we're living under the rule of godless men. Cruel men, heartless men towards Christ and his church. See, when Peter and Paul 
wrote these words, Nero was ruling the Roman world. Submit to Nero, a Caesar who persecutes Christians, submit for the Lord's sake. Not for the sake of the country, but for the sake of Christ. Get your eyes in heaven. Turn over this morning, if you can, to uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. I want you to think of the exiles of the children of Israel living in Babylon. Remember they were to be there for 70 years. They've been carried away captive. Jeremiah 29. Let's look at verse 5. What, what did the Lord tell them through Jeremiah to do? Now remember they're exiles in Babylon. They're living in a pagan land. There's a pagan ruler, Nebuchadnezzar on the throne. There's a pagan creed. There's a pagan system of, of, of culture. And how did he tell them to live? He's addressing them as exiles. Jeremiah 29 and 4. Build ye houses, dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that they may be increased there and not diminished. Notice verse 7, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. Seek the welfare of the city in which you are in exile. Pray to the Lord in its behalf. In its peace ye shall have peace. See, the people there weren't to be guilty of insurrection. They weren't to, to call for subversive attempts to overthrow the, the Babylonians. They, they weren't called to, to protest or, or to have civil disobedience. No, they were to submit themselves for the Lord's sake. That, that was the principle. In, in spite of you living in a pagan world and a pagan culture, don't forget this precept. Do it for my sake. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. It's his precept. It's his or exhortation. The issue is one of obedience to Christ. We could ask ourselves, what's God's will for the Christian? Remember Peter says, for so is the will of God. There, there's no question about it. Here's God's will for us to live at home. We're to be in subjection. We're to submit one to another. Here's how we're to work in society. Here's how we're to, to behave in, as citizens in public. We do it for his sake. We do it because of his precept. Notice also, we do it because of his pattern. Come, come right down to verse 21 in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, For even, even hereunto were you called, but Christ also because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You see, there is something about the exemplary life of Christ. And we are called upon, in light of his example, that we should follow his steps. The word means to imitate him. And here we have the outworking of that when he was reviled. 
he reviled not again. When he was threatened, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. See, I want you to think of Christ on earth. He didn't attack the Roman government of the day. He, he, he didn't go about saying nasty or bad things about the rulers. He, he didn't call for a protest or, or for civil disobedience. He didn't abuse the Roman or Jewish leaders. He was certainly not a rebel. He was not a revolutionary. He didn't violate the laws of the land. He paid his taxes. That, that's what we learn from Matthew 22. And he committed himself to him who judges righteously when he was reviled. When he was threatened, he didn't respond with threats. He left us a pattern. Now, of course, Christ went all the way to the cross. He died an atoning death. He lived this sinless life. He is God. He knows all things. And there, there are certain things, of course, that we cannot do. Christ alone had power to do. But even in that life, he's left and set an example. And the issue is for us then, not only for because of his precept, I, I must live in obedience to the Lord, but because of this pattern. It's for his glory. It's for his honour. And there's the reason why we are to submit to human government. It's for his sake, his precept and his pattern. Notice lastly, the result of submission to human government. Look with me at verse 15 and 16. He says, For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. See, let me finish this morning telling you about Christian and faithful. And they're in the journey, of course, to the celestial city. And on that journey, in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, they come to a place called Vanity Fair. And they enter into to Vanity Fair. And um, whenever they're there, of course, they're dressed differently. And their speech is different from the people of that place. And their behaviour is different from the behaviour of the people of that place. And because they're different in speech and behaviour and in dress, there is a reaction. And they're persecuted. And they're ridiculed. And they're laughed at. And they're mistreated. And yet the amazing thing is that even though Christian and faithful are in Vanity Fair being treated this way, there was others noted how they reacted when they were treated. When somebody threw stones at them, they didn't lift them up again and throw them back. They were different in their behavior, in their speech, in their dress. And how they reacted caused an impression in people's minds. These people are different. And that's exactly what Peter's getting at. They're Christians. They're like Christ. They're his followers. They're, 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 they're the people of God. 
And if we behave in this way, then we will silence the ignorance of foolish men. When they speak against the church, when they speak against the Christian, their criticisms will prove to be false. Their mouths will be closed. And we'll get praise even by the leaders for doing well. And of course, you see there's an evangelistic purpose here. We're seeking to win souls for Christ. We're seeking to turn people's hearts to the Lord. I believe there's a reason why he gives this advice. An evangelistic purpose is behind it. If we're praised of them that do well. If we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. If we don't use our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. As some sadly church leaders have done. And live as the servants of God. Then it will be an evangelistic outreach by way of personal testimony. Into the world in which we live. Here's our responsibility this morning. We're to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. Here's the reason the Lord's sake. His precept, his pattern. Here's the result. We'll have praise of them that rule over us. Would be instruments of showing that we're the Lord's and we'll have a testimony that's believable in the world. Isn't that how we want to live in the 21st century? We know this has not been exhaustive today. We need a whole study on human government. Maybe sometime we'll delve into the first part of the book of Romans and Open it up further, but I trust that this has whetted your appetite. If you have any questions, come and speak to me about anything I've said. And I trust the Lord will bless his word to all our hearts.